little kids don't have to know these things right away. But if they're being exposed to the news, you want to make sure that they feel protected and safe because this is scary stuff going on. And kids can worry. Even little kids understand the concept of being hurt or dying or maybe never seeing your family again because something bad happens. And you want to make sure that those things aren't percolating in their heads without you knowing. Counting down in five, four, three, two. Hey, podcast family, welcome to season three of Motherhood in Black and White. My name is Kanji. I'm Tara. And we are really, really happy that you have chosen to spend some time with us today, getting to know a little bit more about us, our motherhood journeys, and we hopefully get a chance to learn a little bit about you. Thank you for so many of you that have connected with us offline during our short hiatus, right, Tara? That's right. A longer than intended hiatus, but a hiatus nonetheless. Yeah. Yes. So what happens is when you and I were talking about this offline, it's easy when you commit to something 100% mm-hmm. to just be all in. Mm-hmm. But sometimes what we've realized is life happens. And sometimes you decide you're going to take a one week break and then you get COVID and then your husband gets <laughs> COVID yes. and then your kid gets COVID That's and right. job transfers and promotions. Yes. Yes, promotions on my side of things and work gets a little crazy. And then I got sick. And in my household, I mean, just I think back and forth, we had a pretty eventful start to 22. Yeah. Yes. So we decided to take a longer than anticipated hiatus. And looking at season three, as we're starting here in March of 2022, what is interesting to me is that it seems that we are pretty much in the same place as we were when we started season two and season one. And that is having really difficult conversations with our kids about tough stuff. Yes. The exact same place. Right. When we started this podcast um, back in the summer of 2020, uh, we were talking to our kids about some of the uh, racial reckoning that was going on in America, the murder of George Floyd and the race riots and things that were happening after that. Mm-hmm. And then in 2021, we were also talking about the pandemic mm-hmm. and a lot of the controversy around masks in school, vaccinations, and getting our kids to talk about tough stuff in a really, really hard way. And I think we kind of were equipping ourselves as we were going. Absolutely. We very selfishly use this platform not only to educate ourselves and to help educate others, but to give us the tools we needed to manage these conversations with our own kids. And when we are in doubt and need help on how to navigate these conversations, we do what any good parent does, and that's we call in the experts. We outsource. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And so for the last few weeks, we have been um, seeing the geopolitical situation in Ukraine unfold. Mm. And this is the first time we've, I know for me, I've had to have these conversations with my 13-year-old son about the realities of war and explaining kind of what the refugee crisis is and trying to explain the boundary and border disputes and the history of the Soviet Union. Oh my gosh. It's been a lot and I don't want to mess it up. Mm. And so I'm like, what do I say? But I realize that we are now in an age of social media that we can't say nothing. That's absolutely true. I was thinking about this coming into this conversation. I'm excited to talk to our expert about it because while 
we don't have the news on at our house much, I can't lie to myself about the fact, you know, Gage is going to hear about this. It's not just because it's not on in our house. We're not talking about it all the time. It's not a huge topic. He is going to know what's going on in the world. I can't ignore that. Yeah. So asking for assistance and asking for help in areas where we feel as though we may be a little challenged, I think it's the mature thing to do. And look at us being all mature and stuff. We are so grown. Very impressive. Very. I love it. You know what? We're as impressive in 2022 as we were in 2021. (laughs) Maybe more. You don't know. Not more. Not more, no. (laughs) At least as much. As much. I like that. And I will co-sign that. So we are going to um, bring to the conversation this week a nationally recognized voice in parenting news and advice. We're going to bring in Erica Suter. Yes, Erica Suter has been a journalist for over 20 years. She actually started out writing celebrity news, which you and I obviously enjoy our share of. You more than me. Maybe, maybe. But um, when she became a mother, she really that really changed her. And now she specifically focuses her career on speaking to parents about issues and trends that affect families today. She lends her voice and her advice to people like us who are looking for help in how to manage these things. And so we're going to welcome Erica to the conversation to help us get some tips and strategies on how we can navigate these challenging conversations around the war in Ukraine with our kids and maybe some other tough topics as well. So Erica, welcome to the conversation. Thank you. Erica, we're so excited to have you to talk about sort of the topic at hand, right? We're all, as parents, wondering how to talk to our kids about what's happening in the Ukraine and Russia. My first question for you is, why is it so important to make sure we're having these conversations? Because I know some people feel like they should just shield their kids from it. Why do you think it's important we don't do that? Well, our first inclination, of course, is to protect our kids from anything scary or violent in the news. But the fact of the matter is, our kids are getting nuggets of it when we're not around. It could be on the playground, it may be in their classroom, it could be from an older sibling, or even passing by the room when the news is on. So we want to make sure that they have the right information, because there's nothing scarier for a little kid to think that the world is going crazy and these scary things are happening, and no one is there to guide them through or talk them through it. So when we're trying to guide and talk our kids through this, Erica, give me some tips on how we can make sure that we are having these conversations, but in an age appropriate way and focused on our kids and where they are developmentally. Right. You hit the nail on the head. It is about age-appropriate conversations because the way you talk to a five, six, or seven-year-old is completely different than the way you talk to an 11 or 12 or 13-year-old. This is my dilemma, right? I have a five-year-old and I have a (laughs) (laughs) 13-year-old. They both think they know things. And I have to have my conversations planned out for both. So my little one may ask like, oh, what is war? It's so scary. Why is there a war? And so my conversation with him is, I choose to explain the truth, which I think all parents should do, but in an age appropriate way, you know, and I say, well, Russia is a country and they want Ukraine to belong to them. They want Ukraine to be a part of Russia, but Ukraine wants to stay its own country and they're fighting for their freedom. Those are very basic terms that a little kid can understand. Mm -hmm. Obviously with an older kid, you can have more nuanced conversations and they probably studied history a little more in depth. So parents have to do their homework to have a conversation with them. But the point is, you want to make sure your kids have the right information. Yeah. So like with your five-year-old, and what's your five-year-old son's name? Aiden. 
Aiden, and your 13-year-old is Lex, correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So when you're having these conversations with Aiden, and would you recommend that other moms of younger kids use any sort of analogies or throw in references that they may know? How would we approach those conversations with the smaller kids? Well, let me backtrack a little bit because you want to find out what your kid knows first, Mm. right? And uh, if your kid has no idea what's going on and their biggest worry is what monster truck is going to crash into another monster truck, then (laughs) you can decide to hold off on the conversation, right? Because little kids don't have to know these things right away. But if they're being exposed to the news, you want to make sure that they feel protected and safe because this is scary stuff going on. And kids can worry. Even little kids understand the concept of being hurt or dying, or maybe never seeing your family again because something bad happens. And you want to make sure that those things aren't percolating in their heads without you knowing. But if your kid doesn't know about the war, you have to make a choice whether or not you want to introduce that concept. And you should do that based on what your kid is like. And you know your kid better than anyone else. That's a great point. And that was something I was thinking of is, you know, do you bring the conversation to them or do you let it be sort of child led? I think sometimes I get confused about do I bring it up or do I wait for him to come to me? Yeah, I think in this situation, it can be child led because it isn't in our back door. Mm. Right. I think that there are other things that have happened in this country and in towns where parents may want to introduce the concepts or the issues to their child because they're going to be confronted with it sooner rather than later. Yeah. And this is the first war that has been played out in social media. Right. And and Lex is 13. I also have a 13 year old son, Roman. Mm -hmm. And Roman is getting a lot of his information. He's seeing videos on TikTok and YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious if that's your experience with Lex and maybe you can walk us through some of the conversations you've had with him. Yeah. So, you know, we, I drive him to school every day. And so we listen to the news on the way to school, mostly because he hates my music choice. (laughs) (laughs) That's the compromise. (laughs) Yes, that's the compromise. He's like, just turn on the news, please. (laughs) And so oftentimes there'll be an update about what's happening in Ukraine. And so we've talked about like what it means if they do use chemical weapons, where are the refugees going? How can we help the people who are suffering or what, what and he's like, what happens to the kids who are separated from their parents? And sometimes I don't have the answers. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay because, and it's also okay for me to tell him that this makes me a little anxious and a little nervous too, because I think it's terrible what's happening. But the point is I want him to know that he can talk to me about anything. I'm not going to hide things from him because he's at that age where if I try to hide this stuff. He can find information and I want to make sure he has the right information. Right. So we actually have active conversations about it. And at school, I know in some of his classes, they're talking about it as well. Well, and that brings us to another point, though. I mean, it's not just 13-year-olds that are getting their information from TikTok and YouTube, right? Adults are doing that as well. So if we're talking about parents who aren't as up to speed on what's happening, or even the parents don't understand what's going on, Do you have, I mean, obviously you've been in journalism a long time. Do you have sources that you would recommend for parents to kind of get some unbiased information or do their homework before they have those conversations? You know, because so many people lean in so many different ways. Like what someone thinks is unbiased, other people are going to be like, no, that's completely biased. Right, right. I am a huge fan, honestly, of uh, the New York Times, the Washington Post, I do think newspaper journalists have have an amazing skill set. They have been reporting the news in unbiased way, these kinds of world events in an unbiased way for 
hundreds of years, right? And I feel like we need to trust news sources that pride themselves on delivering the facts. Now, there's always going to be someone who doesn't like the Times or doesn't like the Post or doesn't like USA Today or doesn't like CNN or, or Fox. I think I just can't stress enough that just look for something that is factual, not opinion, not peppered with someone's take on this leader or that leader. You know, when you're talking about sharing information with your family, you want to know how many bombs are dropped? Were hospitals affected? Mm. Are kids dying? Are how many people are fleeing? How can we help those people? Because the issue that should be important for us as families is how do we help those other families who are in trouble, regardless of what your political leaning here is? Yeah. And, and before we talk a little bit about how we can help and how we can set our children up to be helpers and volunteers and learners and givers. I do have a question. One of the things I think mm -hmm. you, you and um, Tara touched on this a little bit earlier that we as parents and we as moms, we want to shield our kids, right? And this is mm -hmm. a topic we're dealing with a daily tragedy and it is heavy and it is sad. And with all of the sadness and weight of the world going on around our house. Some parents are like, when my kid comes home, I just don't want to talk about this, right? I want to sit down and watch the Wonder Years reboot and <laughs> eat pizza and have like levity, in, right? I just don't want to talk about it. Is that an option for parents right now? Oh, actually, I think it's one of the most important options you have, right? I think there are three ways when it comes to talking to your family about this. Number one, you want to give them the facts in an age appropriate way. Number two, you want to comfort them and let them know that they are safe because that's also a very important job for a parent, especially of little ones, to reassure them and let them know that they are safe. And number three, you wanna provide a time where everyone in the family can just decompress and not think about the Twitter feed or the news or whatever is going on. And that could be like a movie night. It doesn't have to be something major. It could be game night. You know, of course, the 13-year-old hates the five-year-old games and vice versa, but <laughs> we do it. <laughs> like, right? And it's just necessary because otherwise everyone's kind of on edge and stressed because that's the world we live in right now. So you have to make an intentional time. Like it has to be very intentional about spending time with your family where they can just be kids. And then you can just be parents who, you know, are spending time with your kids. Yeah, because so often so many of us are just trying to survive, mm. you know, and yeah. which I'm thrilled that you actually wrote a survival guide for those of us that are just struggling <laughs> and struggling and hashtag trying to just do the best we can. Right. So can you yeah. tell us a little bit about uh, the survival guide, how to have a kid and a life and the new book you authored and tell us a little bit about how that came to be? Yeah, well, I was an editor at Cafe Mom, which is a very popular parenting site, and I would assign stories and do a lot of research and I kind of immersed myself in the whole everything parenthood, motherhood. And I'd travel the country and I'd interview moms and I'd go to conferences. And I started writing about things that we didn't talk about a lot. Like when we prepare for parenthood, it's always the stuff, right? People are like, get this crib, get these wipes, get this and that. Even, you know, you can't take your baby home so you have an approved car seat. And then you go home, you have this great crib and nursery. But there's so many changes that happen in a woman's life when she brings home a baby that actually have nothing to do with the baby itself. <laughs> and I felt like that's, we just never talk about that. Like I was not prepared for the motherhood penalty at work. I wasn't prepared for the change in my relationship with my spouse or the change in relationship with my friends who didn't have kids. I didn't expect to feel so uncomfortable in my own body for so long. And 
you know, no one talks about this and I don't just complain about it. I actually provide like solutions and ways to kind of work through this and prepare for this so that you're not feeling so out of sorts because you become a mother, which is one of the most important things you can do. But for a lot of women, it's not the only thing that they want to be, right? It's not the only identity that they want to have. And so I also wanted to give women permission to seek other passions because I feel like so many of us don't do that because we are so bogged down in the day-to-day of being like mothers or partners or workers. And a lot of who we want to be gets lost in the process. So I wrote a book that I felt addressed all the things that shocked me when I became a new mom. (laughs) I wish we'd had that book 12 years ago, right, Conch? (laughs) Yeah. So can you give us just a teaser of one of the tips and strategies that you identify in your book of how we can kind of get our groove back, right? How can we as women have kids and also have a life if that's something we're struggling with? Yeah. So that's like the million dollar question, right? But it's not, I promise you that it's not impossible. And one of the things that I encourage every woman to do, instead of doing this New Year's resolution, I want every woman to ask themselves six questions, right? And start your ear this way. Am I nurturing my marriage or relationship? Is my career headed in a good direction? If you have a career, do I have supporter friends to turn to? Do I feel good about myself? Do I nurture any of the passions I had before kids? And the last one, have I created a social life or hobbies that have nothing to do with my children? Now, if you answered no, to even one of those, I want you to kind of rethink where you fall on your list of priorities because you need all of those things and you deserve all of those things. And then I, through the book, I take you through exercises on how to kind of get your groove back, like you said, how to kind of, how to put you back on top of your to-do list. Because so many women, it's so interesting. I talk to so many moms who, even though they're surrounded by kids and family every day, they, they're so lonely. Mm. And that's real, you know, and that's a problem. And so I wanted to address what we're missing as women who have, you know, families that we're incredibly grateful for, but what else is it that we need to feel whole? And what would you do if somebody answered no to all six of those? (laughs) Asking for a friend. Wait, (laughs) asking for a friend here. (laughs) But seriously, though, what, what would you say to somebody who might have answered no to all six? Well, then you have to start working on all six, right? Let's say it's nurturing your partnership. One of the things that I found was present in every person who had a partner or or spouse was that there was resentment. And the resentment often started from, I'd say, the first two months of parenthood, Mm. right? And part of it is because we never, we we do all this planning. We even do Lamas, but we don't do Lamas for our marriage or our partnership. And that is we don't sit down and really talk about what, we expect from each other as we go into this next phase. And that's a big problem. And what happens is that some of us fall into what my grandmother would have called pink and green ways. So mom does most of the nurturing and caregiving, takes care of all the things around the house and all things related to the school. And the other partner, dad, often just (laughs) goes to work, pitches in a little bit, but most of it, most of it falls on the mom's shoulders. And she's often what I call the default parent. Mm. And the default parent isn't just, it's not just cooking and cleaning. It takes up so much of your brain power to keep a household running. It's, do we have toilet paper? Do we have toothpaste? When, are, when do I need to schedule a doctor's appointment? When is soccer practice? Are the cleats clean? When is that you know parent-teacher conference? Do I have to contribute to this year's bake sale? Like there's so much that goes into that and it's completely overwhelming. 
And it's it's not even, you can't see it, right? It, it, it's like invisible labor. You can't actually see all of these things you do as a mom, but they're there and they're affecting us and they're leading to burnout. And that's affecting our other relationships. So I wanted to kind of talk about that, but so many couples don't, I mean, it's something as simple as even before you, if, if you can do it before you have children. Okay, so if we're both going to work, who stays home if Chloe is sick? <laughs> you know, or are we going to have a paid babysitter? How often will we see the grandparents? You know, there's just all these things. I mean, what about discipline? Discipline's a huge one, and people often don't talk about that until one of them is getting ready to discipline and the other one doesn't agree with it. Right, agree with it. absolutely. Yeah. So there's so many conversations we're not having that lead to problems in your relationship, like a little bit of resentment and a little bit of annoyance. And those frustrations can, you know, they affect the way we communicate and they affect the way we spend time together. So all those things are things I wanted to address and talk about because, of course, when you're having a baby, your friends at the baby shower aren't like, oh, he's going to totally get on your nerves. <laughs> <laughs> but three months in at the, wait, at the book club, they will. Yeah, three months right. in. But, yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And then you'll be like, why didn't anyone tell me? And that's how I kind of felt too. when I was like, no one told me this stuff. That's why I wrote it. Yeah. And we're <laughs> and we're so glad that you have chosen to shine a light on this and are making it so that it's okay to have these conversations um, so that we as women and we as mothers, either mothers to be or wherever we are, kind of are prepared. That book is a gift. Thank you, Erica, so much for that. Oh, thank you. And it was a joy writing. I tell you, mothers are so fun, especially when you sit down and you ask them about themselves. I didn't ask about milestones. I didn't ask about plays or little league games. I was like, let's talk about you. Let's like get into this. And, you know, and so often when we be when we become mothers, I think people forget that we were women and we were young girls beforehand. And it's interesting, like something that I came across is you and I have something in common other than our 13 year old sons. Oh, okay. And I will just say this in two words, Erica. Uh huh. Hoya Saxa. What? Yes, girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Georgetown University School of Foreign Service. Oh my gosh, I I was in, in the college. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wait, I, what? I'm not going. No, I'm no, no. Not she on the air. She won't tell you. Listen, <laughs> Erica, we are not going to ask that question on the air. Kaji holds something's okay. very personal. <laughs> yes. Um. But I I lived in New South Dorm, and then I was Henley, and um I lived a uh, where was I in Neville's three? I think I can't remember. But yeah, we'll talk offline. It's nice to meet a fellow Georgetown Hoya. Oh yeah, I love it. I love it, um, especially one who who's who's not. Or, oh, I should ask: Are you a lawyer or a banker? Because there are so many that were lawyers and bankers when we graduated. I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. Sorry. <laughs> don't listen. Don't don't hold it against me. And don't, please don't listen. I'm all, I'm a She's really a good person. I'm lawyer. a recovering lawyer, right, Tara? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually now I'm a I'm a diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, specialist at a at a tech company now. So oh, fantastic. That is fantastic. Yeah, but we have so many things that we can talk about offline, and I know that we are competing with Aiden. He wants his mommy time right yeah, now. That's right. And you have oh, been so generous with sharing your time and your knowledge with us. Before we wrap up, we would love to know kind of like what's next for you, what you're into and where we can purchase your book and how our listeners can find you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can always find updates for me on my Instagram, which is at Erica Suter and that's E-R-I-C-K-A-S-O-U-T-E-R. -E I am currently working on a second book, which is I'm researching, I'm doing research right now. And it's on the topic, my focus is women's relationships with one another. It was one of the 
huge areas of concern for most women that I talked to. It was always, you know, there was always an issue with loneliness or friendships or maintaining friends after in, in adulthood and finding the right friends and even dealing with toxic friends as adult women. And I found that there was so much there and so much that women had to say about it. I want to explore it more. So that's what I'm currently researching. Excellent. That sounds awesome. We'll keep an eye out for that as well. You can buy How to Have a Kid in a Life, a Survival Guide, um, Target, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, independent booksellers, really wherever books are sold. And it's a fun read, guys. I tried to, you know, insert as many fun anecdotes from real women. I mean, that's what it's all about. And it's just, you will feel like you have found your tribe in that book. <laughs> I promise. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to put your Instagram, your website, and your book information in the show notes. So for our listeners to find you as well, Erica, we've enjoyed your conversation so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'll, I'm happy to come back anytime, please, if you ever need me. Absolutely. You are now a part of our tribe. So thank <laughs> you for that. And we are so thrilled to have connected with you. Thank you for everything. We appreciate it. Thank you. That was a great conversation. Very timely. I was glad Erica was able to join us. Absolutely. And it was wonderful to finally meet another Black Georgetown <laughs> alum. Listen, there weren't that many of us back in the 1990s when I graduated from Georgetown. And sadly, the numbers are still kind of low in terms wow. of the number of Black students that are graduating from Georgetown University. That was a fun little small world moment. Yeah. For sure. It absolutely was. And I think what we realize is the world is very small. Mm. Even when we think about the conflict in Ukraine, to some of our kids, it seems like it's just down the street or it's happening so close because Actually, it is. We are seeing images in real time. Yeah. We are seeing and experiencing the atrocities that are happening overseas so much closer than I think I've ever experienced or witnessed this type of um, brutality. Yeah, I think about when I was, I, I meant to look it up, so I'm not going to get crazy because I'll probably get the year wrong. But I think I was around Gage's age when some of the Iraq stuff started Desert Storm, all that in those times. And it wasn't like this. It wasn't, you would only see it on the news. You wouldn't see it on social media. You wouldn't see it on regular TV. You know, you could avoid it if you really wanted to. And it seems like in this day and age, it's just harder and harder to ignore yeah. something even when it's not in your backyard. And we want to make sure that our kids feel secure and safe and able to have conversations with us. And that if there are things that they have questions about, like what's going on? Mm. What are the consequences here? What can I do to help? That we are that safe space for them. And in order to do that, I think like what Erica said is we need to make sure that we are educating yes. ourselves. And that's what I will take away from that conversation with Erica is just to make sure before I have a conversation with Roman or with anyone about these topics that I'm I'm mindful of the information I'm sharing, you know, and I check myself and I'm going to try to educate myself about what's going on so that I can answer questions as honestly as possible and accurately. No, I agree with that. I, I think one of the takeaways I had that I really loved that she shared was it's not just about everybody knowing all the information, but it's also about creating a space in your home for self-care for the family. Like, yes, it's important that we know what's happening. Yes, it's important that we educate ourselves so we have good information. But it's also important that we take time to, you know, be comforted, share in our family time, appreciate the moments we have. The mindfulness aspect is important too, I think. Yeah. And Erica mentioned that she and her family have a game night. Mm -hmm. Curious, Tara, what are you and your family playing at game night? Um, What are we... Playing. Uh, Gage is on a like an Uno kick. 
which is great. I love Uno. It's nice and low key. So he's been he's been into that lately. And I know you got me into this Wordle kit. Oh, I love me some Wordle. Have you been stumped yet? Um, I have been stumped twice. I've been playing it for about a month and a half and I've been stumped twice. Okay. I've been stumped once and you got me into it about mm-hmm. a month and a half ago. So ladies and gentlemen and others, that was kind of what we did on our break between season two and season three. We played Wordle. <laughs> and if you really if you really look for a challenge like me, you want to play Quartle, which I'll tell you about later. Uh, maybe that's what we can talk about on next week's for episode. Sure. So for those of you that have been rocking with us since season one, thank you. Thank you for being listeners, for being a part of our family on this motherhood journey with us. Tara and I appreciate you so very much. Um, As always, you know, our episodes land every week. You can follow us on all of your favorite listening platforms. Uh, make sure that you follow us so you don't miss new episodes. Hopefully you'd already had that checked and this one will land right in your queue on Sunday morning. Um, and you can follow us on Instagram at, at Black and White Momcast. We love hearing from you there. So please let us know if you've got any ideas for the next season. We're on the lookout. Season three, we have so many wonderful stories and topics coming your way. None of this would be possible without you all. So thank you for rocking with us each and every week. Please guard your health, mental, physical, and spiritual. And we'll see you back next week. Same time, same place. Take good care, podcast family. Sorry, my, of course, my five-year-old just busted into the room. Hey, it's part of the fun, so. part of the fun. I know, it's part of like, Aiden, you have to be quiet. Okay, well, yeah, <laughs> that awesome. So, Thank you for being uh, listeners, for being a part of our family, for being ar- along on this motherhood journey with us. Tara and I appreciate you so very much. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I was listening and not ready for you. Hold on. <clears throat>